What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Fam, I literally cannot wait for you to tune into today's episode. I have seen Eleanor Hadley online for a little while now, and I love everything that she talks about. She's a sex and pleasure expert, obviously, pleasure and desire being two of my favorite things in the world, women claiming their pleasure, women owning their desire, women expressing their sexuality and their sensuality women knowing what their desires are or being curious about exploring what they are. That conversation you all know if you've been here with me for a long while now, which I know many of you have, just lights me on fire. Eleanor is also bisexual and she speaks a lot about bisexuality online and I have a massive girl crush on her. I think she's just absolutely gorgeous, which I let her know when I sent her a voice memo to request that she be on the show. I was like, I just got to get this out of the way (laughs) and just let you know that I think you were gorgeous. And I'm just going to tell you I have a girl crush. And then I ask her on a date in the show as well. So if anyone just wants to really put their foot in it, like me, (laughs) either you're really going to claim your desires and express your truth openly. And honestly, you'll be like, oh my God, Beck, you're so cringe. One or the other. She's beautiful. Once you start following her, you'll completely understand my girl crush around Eleanor. But The reason that I brought this episode to you is so many women in my private groups, once we create so much safety, start to share really honestly, oh my God, Beck, like I see you talking about dating online. I see you swiping women on Tinder and Hinge. And are you into women? I've got this curiosity and I feel so much embarrassment or shame or confusion around it. I don't know what to do about it. Also, I have had so many women share with me, Beck, I'm married. I've been in my marriage five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and I have this huge desire to explore women. And maybe I've attempted to bring it up with my husband or my long-term partner, and he has just shut it down so quickly that I don't know what to do with this desire and this craving that I'm feeling and fantasizing about. And so I just knew as I was witnessing Eleanor online that I had to get her on the show and dive into all of these really juicy, and they shouldn't be taboo, but kind of taboo topics, because you know that on this show, I'm all about normalizing what is actually really common. But the uncommon thing is that we just don't really speak about the things, whether it be sex, intimacy, herpes, STI, shame and stigma, breaking free from STI, shame and stigma, or just exploring our bi-curiosity or desiring to explore our bi-curiosity once we're in a committed, monogamous, heterosexual relationship. So You really get to stay for this entire episode. We dive deep into exploring our bio-curiosity and we also explore this new concept that I had never heard up until Eleanor shared it with me, the Madonna whore paradox. So get your fucking pen and paper out or if you're sitting on public transport on the way to work, get out your notes section or if you're just driving and listening to this on your own Apple Play in your car, I know that there are just going to be pivotal points where you're like, ah. This is teaching me so much about my own sexual expression, the parts of myself that I suppress and the desires that are calling me forward. Like what is desire telling me that I want to experience and what does my sexual expression uniquely look and feel like for me? This is one hell of an episode. If you love it, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag both myself and Eleanor because I know that we would both love to hear from you. Strap yourself in, fam. This is one sexy episode. Let's fucking go. I am sitting here with a very beautiful woman and my online girl crush who I already voice noted and told her, honestly, I was like, I'm just going to get this out of the way. 
Malaysia expert Eleanor Hadley, welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to chat all things pleasure. Oh my God, I've been stalking you. I can't remember when I first found you, but since I have, I was just like so consumed by your content. I think it's amazing. I love the woman living from her desire and really owning her pleasure. And I feel like not enough of it is happening in society, especially right now, but so many women are craving it. So for any woman that doesn't know you, hasn't followed you yet, can you please share just a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do in the world? Absolutely. So my name is Eleanor Hadley. I'm a certified sex educator, speaker and writer, as well as a sensual movement practitioner. And so I work with people to help them embody their sensuality, to own their sexuality, to teach and educate all about how you can have a more pleasurable life. Mm, that's so beautiful. How did this become your life's path? Was sexuality and embodying your sexuality something that just came very natural and normal to you or was it something that would cause a lot of pain that you moved through and navigated and then broke through and broke free from? What was that like? Yeah, it's interesting. It wasn't necessarily on either end of the spectrum. You know, I wasn't um, like wildly repressed. I wasn't naturally incredibly embodied, but I think it was a gradual becoming So I would say that my journey sort of started back when I was a dancer. I grew up dancing all my life, but then when I was about 18, I started pole dancing classes and that was the first time that I ever moved and expressed in a more sensual, sexual type of way. And I remember at the start, it felt very, very uncomfortable and very awkward. And I kind of giggled through my entire first lesson. But then eventually it just kind of became really, really comfortable for me. And I felt a lot of power in the ability to move my body in a way that felt really, really natural and feminine and expressive to me. And so that was kind of the start of the journey. I ended up just loving pole so much and went through all the levels and then competed. And then I eventually bought a pole dancing studio that I ran for about four years in Melbourne. And throughout that time, I just saw my students really, really change from first lesson feeling scared and vulnerable and awkward to even just a matter of weeks later, flipping upside down, feeling amazing. And that really impacted my desire to help people kind of transform I'd always had a background in transformational work. I used to work in international community development before I had the studio. And so it was like this common thread. And then eventually I had the idea to create my own style of movement that was less about performance and more about embodiment. So I didn't care about the mirrors. I didn't care about what you looked like, what your body could do if you were doing the moves right or at all. I just wanted you to feel really good in your body. And so I sold my studio, started that practice. And then one thing has led to another. It's just been a gradual opening of my journey. And I studied life coaching and then I studied somatic sex coaching. And it's all just snowballed in the most beautiful way. So here I am. What do you feel has been the most significant transformation piece for yourself personally? Oh, that is a great question. I feel like there's been so many, but one that really sticks out for me is, you know, that time post-breakup where you suddenly want to kind of burn everything down and start again. Um, I think that I had this really pivotal moment when I went through quite a big breakup, a significant breakup in my late 20s. And that was when I still had the Pulse Studio. 
And I just realized I had been hiding and I hadn't really been expressing myself fully. And I didn't even really know who I was. And so that was a huge identity shift for me to go, okay, cool. I've built this current life, but it's not really feeling like the right fit for me anymore. And now I don't have this person who's maybe judgmental of who I really am because I'd been hiding that version of me. And so it was just this beautiful moment and series of moments of allowing myself to peel back those layers of conditioning and stigma and taboo and actually go, you know what? I do really enjoy sex. And like, yeah, I actually really like expressing my sensuality and I'm not ashamed of it. And I actually think it's something to be celebrated. And that process has sort of led to everything. So I think that sometimes at the time, it feels like the worst thing in the world to happen. But looking back, that particular breakup, I was like, oh, girl, that started everything. (laughs) Mm, Amazing. I'm four months post breakup right now. So I feel like I'm right in the depth of that peeling back the layer experience. But I love what you said about really claiming, I do really love sex. I do really love expressing my sexuality, my sensuality. Why do you feel that that's so stigmatized in society right now for the woman to just really own that part of her? Oh, there's so much that goes into this. Societally, we have been conditioned in general to see sex as taboo, dirty, wrong, bad in all these different ways. And more so for people who identify as women, we get conditioned to believe that we can only be sexual for certain purposes. And there's this whole theory called the Madonna whore paradigm. And so the Madonna whore paradox tells us that we can either be the virginal, saintly, pure mother archetype. And mums, despite the fact that literally to become a mum, you have to have sex to have a child. But that's that virginal idea that you are a mother and you are pure and you are chaste and there's no sexual connotation to a mother. And then we have the whore on the other side. So it's like a really, really black and white. And it's like, well, if you like sex, then you are put into that category of, well, you must be a whore and you're not necessarily worthwhile. The connotation of even just the word whore is like, it's dirty, it's wrong. But there's this strange delusion where we think, oh, well, you can either be one or the other, but you couldn't possibly be both. And this isn't just for people who are mothers. And I know that a lot of mothers would attest to feeling like suddenly they are less sexualized or seen as less sexual creatures, despite the fact that become one, (laughs) it's part of the process. And so we kind of get lumped into one of either category. And because there's so much stigma around the whore archetype, where we shut our own sexuality down. And so we intentionally, well, we internalize this message that if you are seen to enjoy sex or like sex or have any of these external indicators that people are going to create judgments around because you show a lot of skin or you dance provocatively or whatever you do, we're going to make these assumptions that equal this idea that you must be on that end of the spectrum, then you're less than. And so we hear this and we see this. We see this in movies and TV. We see it in media that anytime a woman is expressive, she is demonized. And so naturally, either we have people telling us outright, don't wear that, you look like a slut, or, oh, you couldn't possibly say that, or you can't let people know that about you. 
Or we just take it on because we absorb it from society. And so we go, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm not a sexual being. So I'm going to close it up. I'm not going to admit it. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. And I'm going to not allow myself to feel pleasure because allowing myself to feel pleasure means, oh, I must be one of those people on that end of the spectrum that is not good and not worthy and dirty and bad and wrong in all these different ways. So it's societal. It's not biological at all. It's entirely societal. Do you know, I've never heard of the Madonna whore paradox up until right now, but I feel like that can play out in a single slash relationship dynamic because I notice with myself, and I'm sure that you'll say that you experience this with clients, when I'm single, I'm like free, liberated, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to own exactly what I want, say what I want, be as naughty as I desire. But in relationship, I notice this different edge of mine of like, oh no, I won't show up to my partner like that. I won't bring single back into my relationship and vice versa. I heard my last partner say to me, I'm not going to treat you like I would treat the prior women that weren't my partner. But then the relationship really lacks the like single sex that we're really craving because we're not allowing that part of us to be fully revealed. Would you say that's a similar context? That's exactly it. That is the perfect example of this paradigm at play. I've also had so many clients tell me this in both ways. Like certain men have said, oh yeah, like your friend, I wouldn't treat my partner the way that I would treat other people, which honestly just really, really speaks to the level of respect that we kind of intertwine with sex. It's like, uh, if I know you less and I respect you less, I will treat you worse or I'll fully express and that's safe. But it's almost as though if we are in a committed relationship, there's this idea that we have to be pure and we have to be good, whatever that really means, and that you can't be fully wild and expressive, even though you're in a relationship with someone who should really, for all intents and purposes, respect all facets of you and welcome all facets of you because you have a commitment to one another. But it often doesn't work like that. And this is exactly the demonstration of Madonna whore at play because it's like, well, if you have this long-term marriage especially and you are parents, it's like suddenly you think, oh, I can't do any of that quote-unquote crazy stuff, wild stuff, because we're parents now. We're serious. But why do we have to lump it into a category, serious sex or casual sex? We can mix it together and that's actually going to make the relationship lasts a lot longer. It's going to make your sex life way more fulfilling if you allow yourself to be fully expressive and not lump yourself into this category of like, oh, well, now I can't have casual, fun sex. I can only have relationship style sex. And lack of intimacy and lack of sexual fulfillment is such a relationship ender. For me, that's been the main thing that has caused my relationships to end, which is interesting because the experience that we have when we're single, we're desiring to bring into the relationship, but we're not fully allowing ourselves to have that. So how do we start to really claim that? Because a lot of my clients desire committed, aligned partnership to experience deep pleasure and intimacy with our partner. So how do we bring that kind of single express version of us into our committed partnership and allow the, I'm not sure what you call her, the sacred slut, the sacred horde, the temptress, the seductress, how do we bring her online and give permission to her? This is a really great question. And like most things, it's going to start with you allowing yourself permission to be 
that person to be all facets of you in your own self-pleasure practice, in your own life, in every area of your life, allowing yourself to actually do and be who you really are. It's not about, oh, well, I see Beck and Eleanor showing up online and they look like this and their expression of their sexuality is like this. We don't have to make it look like anybody else's. It's just what is your desire? What things really turn you on? What do you find pleasure in? And following that and really, really catching yourself. The more that you have this sense of self-inquiry within, the easier it's going to be when you are in a relationship to catch when you're veering off path because you might notice yourself. Maybe you're having sex and you're in your head going, oh God, this is a little bit boring or like, oh, I wish they would just touch me here. But you're not saying it. Like we need to be able to catch ourselves and go, oh, I wonder why I'm not saying this. What things are coming up for me? Am I concerned that they're going to look down on me because I want them to spank me right now? Am I worried that they're going to leave? Like what is the fear there? And then really like it takes a lot of bravery and courage to be able to have these conversations with your partner. The more that you speak about sex outside of the bedroom, the better sex that you're going to have. If you never, ever talk about your sex life until you're actually just having sex and then you don't speak up at all, like it's inevitable that things are going to eventually kind of fizzle. You need to be able to have these conversations, really fun, light, open conversations about what it is that you like. So be curious about what you like, understand what you like yourself, and then also be curious about your partner. So rather than it being this one-way thing of like, oh, I need them to know that I don't like this and that, but I want this and that, be curious and ask them, what kind of things do you really enjoy? What kind of touch feels best for you? I'd love to know the best way to get you off. Is there anything that you'd really like to try together? Make it a fun date night to have these conversations, to go through like a question and answer kind of card game or Make it fun because if we only think, fuck, this has to be a big, serious conversation where I've got to sit them down and I've got to tell them that I hate the way they lick me out, it's going to feel really scary and we're not going to do it and we're going to shut ourselves down and we're not going to like actually have pleasure at the end of the day. And so just make it a fun thing. Be curious and open. Don't take offense when someone, you know, maybe doesn't like your technique. That's fine. We're all different. It's literally not going to be one size fits all. So then hopefully they open up and, you know, it works both ways. But I think that that gradual journey of like understanding your own desires first and then having the open conversations is going to help so much. Mm, I love that. I have about 5,000 questions that I could ask you after everything that you just said. There was something that came up for me when you're like, oh, when you're with that person, they're touching you in a way that you don't enjoy and do you speak up or not? I noticed for me personally, and this came up in some of my groups this week, with partners, there's kind of a, if he loved me, he would just without me having to tell him. Whereas in a single, I see your face right now. I see if you can see her face right now, she's pulling some faces. But then in a single relationship, it's like, well, there's no story of if he loved me, he would. It's more like we're both here for a single pleasurable experience So there's almost like a no fucks given mentality of I'm just going to tell you this is what I want you to do. Whereas in relationship, that same no fucks given mentality doesn't transition. And it's like, but if this man really loved me and he truly had desire for me, 
he just would fill in the blank. What do you have to say about that? Several things. (laughs) (laughs) So nobody is a mind reader, number one. This is an obvious one. Um, But number two, every single human body is very, very different. Yes, we all have the same parts, but they're arranged differently. And we have different neural pathways and different things that we like and different things that turn us on. So if you are expecting your partner to just know how to please you, you're setting yourself up for a failure. And I really, really encourage you to not do yourself that disservice and advocate for your pleasure. It is okay. And also it has to be a two-way street because we need to be able to advocate for our pleasure, but we also need to be open to feedback as well and not take offense. Because I think that the biggest thing that stops us from sharing what it is that we like or we don't like and having those conversations is, I don't want to offend them, that assumption that they should know that they're going to get mad at me. And honestly, if someone gets mad at you for you requesting your pleasure be prioritized, like immediate red flag. But there's layers here. So firstly, everybody is incredibly different and what works for you might not work for other people. Often there's this interesting bias that I notice often with men where they feel like, oh, well, this works for my past partner. You know, it's not even gendered. I think it's like we have this assumption that, well, that worked really well for that last partner and it's always worked for me. I've never had any complaints. And then Mm. suddenly that's projected onto the current partner And so either they're going, well, it's always worked for me. And so it must be you. You must be broken. You must be wrong. Maybe it's your fault that you can't come from the exact way that I finger you or whatever. And so then that gets kind of taken to us and we go, fuck, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I'm broken. Maybe I'm the problem. But you're not. You have a different body. So you need to be able to explore how it works for you. And your partner should prioritize your pleasure. If they don't prioritize your pleasure, if they don't seem to give any fucks about you experiencing pleasure, then that's a huge red flag. And I encourage you to have conversations about that. But we've got these other levels of this assumed expertise and that I should know what I'm doing. And if I don't, then that's going to be something that I take offense to. And we don't want our partners to feel less than And I think that this is just a a really big invitation to look at how you're taking feedback. And if you're taking it as, oh, this is an opportunity for me to learn my partner's pleasure language, or this must be a reason that they hate me and they don't love me and they don't care and they're being mean to me about this. We really need to be able to have these open conversations without it turning into a fight. Because your pleasure shouldn't be something that is contentious (laughs) at all. And so I really, really encourage you to be open and yeah, just allow those conversations to happen without it being inflammatory at all. I love that. And there was something that you said about self-inquiry and really tuning into what it is that you desire rather than what it is that it looks like. And I find it's quite hard for a lot of women I know that I'm mostly talking to women right now. When we see porn, we see movies, we see MTV, we see sexy women everywhere. We see erotic, centrally embodied women on Instagram. There's so much external showing us what sexy is, what sexuality is, what sensuality is, that it can make it quite difficult for the women who are feeling like, I don't even know what it is that I desire. And quite frequently, what's been reflected back to me is women saying, I don't even know. I don't really know what turns me on. 
I don't really know what I like. I just know that I'm not enjoying it. I'm kind of there and it feels very surface level and I want to be there because I want to be intimate with my partner, but I'm not experiencing intimacy. But when I request to explore together, he said to me, well, you need to figure out what you like. And once you figure out what you like, then I can do that for you. So for the women who are like, I just don't even know, Eleanor. I don't know what turns me on. I don't know what I desire. I know that I don't look like these women on Instagram. So now I'm in comparison. I think there's something wrong with me. What would you say to her? Firstly, I would say I understand exactly what that's like. I think that we often think that there must be a certain way that we're meant to show up. And if we have spent a while not feeling fully embodied, it is very hard to just flick that switch and suddenly know everything that we desire. We exist in such a society that doesn't ever invite us really to focus on our desires and what feels good and pleasure is seen as a luxury when I think it should just be a daily. And so be gentle with yourself if this is something that you're experiencing. And this is something that I get my clients to do a lot. I would invite you to spend some time reflecting on the best sexual experience that you've ever had. The most beautiful, intimate, maybe it was a lovemaking night or just a lovely connected evening with a lover. Whatever it was, reflect on what made it so good. And often it's going to be context. We often find that on holidays you have the best sex ever because there's less stress, there's less time restraints, mm-hmm. um, there's high affection, there's more trust. And these things are really key when it comes to context. We need to feel low stress. We need to feel high affection. We need to feel high trust. And those are really, really important. And so I would consider, is that happening in my day to day? And if not, how could I maybe invite more of that into my life so that I can explore my desire more? It's also a really fun opportunity to just kind of play and experiment. So maybe with your lover, if you're like, hey, I'm really feeling like I don't actually know what I desire anymore and I'd like to figure that out. Let's play. And so maybe you have a night where you give each other massages and maybe you have another night where you eat food off each other and then you have another night where you explore with, you know, like some light bondage and you just try different things and see if it is for you and let it not be okay as well. Like let it be something that you're like, oh, nah, this isn't for me. And you can call it at any time. You need to have that really clear conversation with a partner beforehand, but allow yourself to just play and try and experiment and know that not everything is going to be for you. Just like you go to a restaurant, you look at a menu. And for me, I don't like eggs. To me, disgusting. I I look at a breakfast menu and I will not choose any item that has eggs on it. And that's just my preference. My friend might be like, oh, delicious. I'm going to get this big breakfast with like four eggs on it. I'm like, gross, can't think of anything worse. But it's okay because I know that that's something that I don't want. And I'm so fine. I don't feel any pressure to have that. So I might go instead towards like an avo toast. And another person might hate avocado, which is weird as well, but each to their own. And so you are allowed to have your preferences. And just because your partner has a preference doesn't mean you have to have that exact same preference. You can compromise. You can figure out what each of you likes, what's a yes, what's a no, what's a maybe, and really take some time to explore. Mm. What would you say to any person when their partner has a really strong desire for something? and a particular sexual experience that you're just a full body no to. 
And this person is like, I need to have this experience in my life. And the other person is like, I can't meet you there. What would you say to that couple? Mm, Yeah, I think there's a few ways to go around this. Firstly, if there is a way to compromise and say, okay, well, if this is the experience that you're wanting, I can meet you here. Maybe it's 20% of the way and we do something in that realm, but not all the way there. Maybe that's a compromise. Maybe it is something that they just go, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to have that at all. And they are comfortable with it. It does have to be something that they are okay with not not exploring because we don't want to breed resentment. And then, of course, there's the option to open it up and go, okay, well, I'm not comfortable doing that with you, but I really care about you and I want you to have that experience. And so maybe we will create a space where consensually you will try that with someone and then we'll create an agreement where we talk about it afterwards or we don't, or it's a one-time thing and we communicate really clearly about it or we're opening up our relationship. And there's so many different ways that it can be. And with anything when it comes to relationships and life in general, to be honest, is I really encourage you to choose your own adventure. Like you get to create the rules. It's not this enforced relationship style, sexual style. Like it doesn't have to be, oh, but you're married. So therefore you can never, ever possibly open the relationship or try something different or be a bit kinky or whatever it is. There's literally no rules like well, we feel like there are these rules because we see our parents and we see people on TV and people in the media and on social media and stuff like that saying, I'm doing this or like you have to do this. This is the expected elevator trajectory of your life. But you actually don't have to pay attention to any of that. You can do it in the way that you want. So within yourself, figure out what am I comfortable with? What am I not comfortable with? What feels good and not good in my body? And it's also really important, I think, to discern between is this something that makes me uncomfortable because it's just a no for me or is this something that I'm shutting down and I'm saying absolutely not because I have a projection or a fear or an assumption about what that means and what that would mean about me if I was to say yes to it. Often that's a huge thing. We're like, oh, I couldn't possibly try, let's just go to spanking again, because that would mean about me, insert stigma, insert different names or titles or assumptions. And so I think it's really, really important that we really like constantly, this is where the self-inquiry comes in. We're constantly thinking, okay, is this what I believe or is this what I've been led to believe. I love that so much. And I feel like it's such a beautiful segue into what I really wanted to dive into with you. I have so many women who share with me that they're heterosexual women, but they've seen me talking about matching with women on Tinder, on Hinge now that I'm single. And they're like, can I talk about this with you in our private groups? I'm straight, but I'm attracted to women. I have this desire, but I'm terrified of it. And the other part of this is There's lots of women who are in relationships with men. They've been in long-term relationships with their boyfriend, their fiance, their husband. And once the group starts chatting about it, they're like, oh my God, I've had this yearning, this desire, this craving to explore a woman for so long, but I'm so terrified to even tell my husband or I have told my husband and he has not received it well. So can we talk a little bit about exploring our bi-curiosity? Is this something that gets brought to you a lot? Yeah, it's really interesting. It definitely does. I came out as bi a few years ago now, and I had no idea, not a clue. And then suddenly it all sort of made sense that 
I was definitely into women, but I didn't quite realize that I could be into both. I knew about bisexuality, but I still had that internalized biphobia, which a lot of us do, where we almost don't take it seriously enough. I said to myself, oh, but I'm not attracted to all women. And then I had to check myself. Mm -hmm. I reminded myself that I'm also not attracted to all men. And so the fact that I am attracted to some women probably indicates a little bit of bisexuality in there. So I had this experience, but honestly, it is so common. Bi curiosity is wildly common, and I think it's such a fun thing to explore. And so there's a bit of a process, like with everything. I think we first need to unpack our own hesitations and stories and everything when it comes to that, because I know I had plenty of those where I thought, oh, could I, should I? Is that okay? What will people think? Blah, blah, blah. And that all comes up. If it's something that you're curious about, please like let yourself follow that and remember that you can change your mind at any time. Just because you might be 34 and you only just realize that maybe you're a little bit bi, that doesn't mean that the rest of your life has been false or that you have to stick with the label of straight. You don't even have to choose any label if you don't want to. You can just do whatever you want to do and explore whatever you want to explore and not label it at all. I think it's really helpful for us to remember that we are changeable and adaptable and we can make a decision and then make another decision later. So maybe you're like, oh, I think I'm bi-curious. And maybe you go and you actually try exploring with a woman. You go date a woman or you have a threesome or, you know, whatever. And then you realize, oh, actually, maybe that doesn't interest me. Or maybe I'm still interested in other genders. And then maybe one day you'll do this again. It, it doesn't matter. Maybe you've exclusively dated people with brown hair. And then at one point you date someone who's blonde. It's not like, oh my God, I can't believe you've changed. It doesn't matter. It's just a different type of person. Like it, it's irrelevant. <laughs> like, it's all just people. Um, and you can have different preferences and you can change your mind and you can try different things. You get to choose. Mm. Beautiful. And for the woman who is like, I have shared this with my husband or my boyfriend and he is just not okay with it. What would you really say to her when she's like, I just feel it burning inside of me? And it's it's quite a frequent thing that has been shared with me. Women who have been married for 10, 15, 20 years are like, I just feel it so deeply that I'm denying such a beautiful part of myself and I'm not able to experience this. But he feels so disrespected in my request that I can't deny the desire, but I also don't want to disrespect my husband. Yeah, it's such an interesting one. I think that this comes down to the level of communication, the relationship structure, and then just the individual as well. If your husband in this case is feeling really triggered and not okay with the fact that you have a desire, it's a really tricky one because you don't want to disrespect them and just be like, oh, okay, well, I'm still going to try. Because if you are in an agreed monogamous relationship, then of course anything else is not okay going against those agreements. But I think it's just about the approach. And if you are committed to a monogamous relationship, then sitting them down and saying, I am committed to you and I want you to know that I am committed to this relationship and to you and I have no intention of leaving this relationship because that's often the fear. The fear is, oh, if I let them try X, Y, or Z sexually, whether that's exploring with a different person or just a different style of sex, 
if I let them, if I give them permission, then they're going to leave me. That's the crux of it. Most people have that fear that if anything changes or if I allow myself to be fully who I am, then they'll leave me because they won't like that full version of me. They'll only like this version that I've catered towards them. And so I think that the approach is to go in there with that reassurance and understanding. Like, I understand you might have these fears. Please feel free to let me know what scares you or turns you off about the fact that I have this desire for women because I want to reassure you that I'm all in on this relationship and I need to be really honest because I trust you, I care about you and I want to honour myself that I do have this desire and maybe that looks like just going on a date or maybe that looks like just us having a threesome and exploring that once, having a really clear boundary about it only being a one-time thing or maybe it's something that we open things up like let's think about a way that would feel good for all of us and we don't have to make a decision immediately but I want you to understand where I'm coming from and I want to understand where you are coming from because so often I think that we have these arguments and we butt heads because we're only throwing our point of view at our partner and expecting them to just get it because obviously we've gone through it in our head and we understand it makes sense to us but we've not taken the time to really explain it to them and we've not taken the time to understand where they're coming from. But we just like kind of project things at each other back and forth and back and forth. And so if you go into any conversation with this desire to truly understand, to be seen and to be heard and to hear and see, then whatever outcome, it's going to be much more nourishing than if you just go in like a bull in a china shop. Mm, so beautiful. That's such a beautiful example of authentic relating and compassionate communication. For any woman that is desiring to explore her by curiosity but has a massive fear of not knowing what to do and doing a really bad job of whatever she's attempting, what would you say to her? Great question and I feel you. So I feel like especially if you are a late in life bisexual, it feels like suddenly you're a teenager again. You're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to flirt with women. I don't know how to talk to them. I don't know how to date them. I don't know how to kiss. I don't know how to go down on them. I don't know what I'm doing. And it can be terrifying. And so I think, first of all, it's important to remember that. Like, however old you are, and however old you were when you first had any sort of intimate experience with a different gender, suddenly you're back there again. Like you've had this amount of time to hone your skills and feel comfortable with a different gender. And then suddenly if you're wanting to explore with someone of your same gender, then it's a whole new world. And so be really, really patient and kind and gentle with yourself and recognize that like, oh, okay, you're just like Bambi getting your legs for the first time. So, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time before you're sprinting. So from there, if you are at the point where you're actually about to get it on with a woman and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I have the same parts, but I don't know what to do with someone else's same parts. But obviously communication is going to be the biggest thing. Share that like, hey, I haven't done this before. I'm a little bit nervous. I'd love it if you could direct me a little bit. That honesty is going to be really sweet and cute. You don't have to pretend there's no ego here. Like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. You can be really honest about like, I'd love 
to know. And can you imagine if someone comes to you and they're like, please tell me the best way to pleasure you? You'd be like, oh, okay. I'm so glad that they're curious about this. I'd really encourage you as well. Like if you really want to figure it out, do some study, do a little bit of research. I have a course called Tongue Tactics, Pussy Pro Edition, and that teaches you everything that you need to know. I'll let um, but yeah, <laughs> but like let yourself be curious about the person's body who is in front of you because everyone's going to be different. Just like you've had lovers in the past who maybe haven't quite gotten it right. You just need to communicate with one another as well. And remember, this helps me so much. I just remember, okay, teenage Eleanor was really not very good at many sexual things, obviously, because I was brand new. And so it's okay. It's going to take a little bit of time, but now you're an adult and you can communicate a lot better than you could as a teenager. And so it's going to be okay. Oh, I love that. And how do we, Eleanor, ask a woman out and know the difference between women being friendly with each other and women flirting? Because Last night I went with my best friend to her gym drinks because she's got a crush on a woman at her gym. And I'm like, have you made it obvious that you like her? And she's like, well, how can we make it obvious that we like them, Beck, when we're just so friendly with everyone? So she just thinks I'm being the same amount of friendly that I am with every other person in the gym. So no, she doesn't know that I like her. And I don't know if she likes me and I don't even know how to ask her out. How do we do that? (laughs) welcome to the eternal dilemma this is (laughs) everybody that I speak to who is into like same gender has this struggle because it is confusing especially as women we are so so friendly and affectionate to one another that I would understand if someone thought that me and some of my friends were in a relationship because we are all over each other. We're holding hands. We're like snuggling. So (laughs) to answer your question, to make it obvious, there's no certain way that you have to look or present or anything like that to make it obvious that you're queer. But for me, I think the important thing is actually asking them on a date. Say date. Don't ever say, oh, do you want to go get a coffee? Like, oh, would you like to hang out? Because unless you actually ask me on a date, I'm assuming that we're friends because that's just the society that we live in. And that's, for me, being what I thought was straight for most of my life until I realized I've never thought of it any other way. So there's probably, actually, I have spoken with people about this before where they have told me that they were into me and thought they were flirting, but I just thought they were being friendly. And so I had no idea. And then years later, I'm like, oh, damn. I can't believe I missed that. (laughs) So we really need to be clear. If you want to take someone on a date, it's fucking terrifying. I understand. But please just say, I'd like to take you on a date. And if they, if someone asks you on a date and you're actually not interested, that's okay to say, thank you so much, but I'm not interested in that way. I'd love to be friends or I'm just not romantically interested. It's okay. Rejection is fine. It's scary. I get it. But We just need to be clear because there's not really a certain signal. Like you can try and do all the flagging things like with your nails and like a carabiner, all like the stereotypes of what it means to look queer, but you're never going to know, especially if you're extra femme presenting. It's tough. People wouldn't necessarily pick it up. So if you want to date someone, ask on a date. (laughs) Simple as that. Oh, I love that. And I think because we're so used to Typically, if we're heterosexual women, or that's what we mostly identify as, it's men that are typically chasing us. 
So it's such a different experience of life to be like, okay, I see this woman, I desire this woman, I'd love to go on a date with this woman, but I'm just going to sit here because then what if I ask this woman and then what if she feels, I'm sure there's a lot of story around, I don't want her to be upset with me, I don't want her to think that I'm offending her, but I think it's just the most beautiful compliment. Yeah, and I think that that is a really important thing for us to recognise as well. So because... So it definitely scrambles our existing understanding of gender roles when suddenly we're like, oh, usually the men do the work for me. I just kind of make eyes at them and they ask me out and it's all super easy. That's totally flipped. There's no gender role expectations when it comes to dating the same gender. And so one of you is going to have to actually take the plunge. And this is why sometimes you're just at a standstill and it's really difficult because you're like, I don't know if I should make the move. Should I make the move? Are they going to make the move? I don't know. Uh, and so it's like, ah, it's very confusing. But at the end of the day, someone will have to, and that can change. You can kind of bounce. It doesn't always have to be that one person. But I would definitely, definitely suggest letting go of those gender roles. I mean, we can all just do a Beck. I let Eleanor know really directly twice now that I have a girl crush on her. So Eleanor, if we're ever in the same place and both single, I would love to take you on a date. Oh my God, it's fun. Let's go on a date. <laughs> See, that's exactly how you do it, live on podcast. My love, I have literally had the best time with you today. I love everything that you talk about. I think you're so beautiful and such a stand for humans owning their pleasure. If there was one piece of advice you would give everyone about really claiming your pleasure, like one thing you need them to know, what would that be? It would be that it is safe for you to own your pleasure, whether that is externally or internally, prioritizing your pleasure is going to be one of the most powerful things that you can do for your own sense of self-worth that you really truly do deserve pleasure in your life. And my final question that I ask all of my guests, Eleanor Hadley, what does it mean to be raw, real and vulnerable in your own life? Hmm. For me, it means speaking openly and honestly and sharing exactly what I'm feeling at all times, which is difficult. But I think that showing up in a way that feels authentic to you is very powerful. And if you are watering yourself down, you know that you're watering yourself down. You can feel that. So allow yourself to be who you are and your people will find you and they will celebrate you. That was amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us today. If anyone in my world would love to get all up in yours, where can we find you? Fabulous. Find me over on Instagram at Eleanor Hadley and my website is the same, eleanorhadley.com. So feel free to come on, check it all out and come say hey. Thank you so much for sharing yourself with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.